In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you have noticed this in your own life. I, I know I've noticed it in mine. Uh, and that is that God very often works in the most unlikely of places, in the most unlikely of ways, and usually through the most unlikely of people, in order to teach me the lessons that I need to learn the most. Uh, and, and so it was at the seminary. Uh, when I was studying to be a pastor, of, of course I learned in all the ways you would expect, right? Through books and articles and classrooms and lecture halls from professors and pastors and doctors of theology. But I also found it to be true that when I least expected it, uh, in the most unlikely of places and ways and people, God began to teach me the things that I needed to learn the most. And so it was in a bowling alley that had been converted into a church sanctuary in a congregation on the north side of St. Louis, a poor inner-city church, that, that God began to teach me some things I needed to know. One of the lessons he taught me was, was that the marks or the signs of a successful church, whatever that means, uh, cannot be quantified in the ways we would like to. You, you can't define a successful church based on budget spreadsheets or the number in the back of the bulletin that lists the attendance um, or in the, the uh, physical amenities that a building can offer. Uh, that church taught me, God taught me through that church, that a successful church is defined by things that cannot be seen, uh, by faithfulness to the scriptures and joy in the Lord and love for one another. Uh, it was in that bowling alley converted into a sanctuary in the life of an 80-something-year-old poor homeless woman that I learned that proper worship can, in fact, include hands raised in the air and shouts to the Lord and dancing in the aisle. It was around a, a campfire one evening at the seminary, not in a classroom, not from a book, not from a professor, but from a fellow student uh, that I was taught some important lessons about spending time with the Lord. I remember sitting around the fire when, when one of my good friends challenged the rest of us there that evening to, to read through the scriptures from cover to cover before we graduated in just a few months. And, and he began to lecture us on how important it was to spend time in God's Word day after day after day. It, uh, it was on a mission trip uh, to one of the poorest places on earth. I, I know I've mentioned it before, to a, a shanty town built on top of a garbage dump on the outskirts of Guatemala City that, that God taught me important lessons about contentment and thankfulness and joy in the Lord, no matter your circumstances. It was... It was only as this family, the poorest family I probably had ever met and might ever meet, as they welcomed me into their little shack, cardboard shack, and as they had me sit down on their couch with no cushions and only springs, and as the fleas and the flies jumped from, from one person to the next, it was only then as they sang to us songs about how rich they were in Jesus and the treasure they had in their Lord that I began to see what it was to be truly content. I had read about those things. I had studied all those verses. Uh, but it was only in that unexpected place, through those unexpected people, that God taught me the lessons that I needed to learn the most. Uh, maybe, maybe you've found this to be true. Uh, maybe there was some lesson God needed to teach you uh, that you could only learn through a child. And maybe it was your own child, right? Maybe it was only until your very own child looked up at you with love in their eyes and said, Mommy, Daddy, I forgive you. That you began to learn the true meaning and the true freedom 
on forgiveness. Or maybe it was someone that you were sent to serve, like at a, a summer supper last evening, as, as you were there to lay a meal before someone, that you began to see why it is we bow our heads to give thanks before every meal. Uh, maybe it was through a mentally challenged, handicapped young man who, who couldn't string together a sentence of his own that you began to see what it means to know the Lord. Or maybe, just maybe, it was from someone who sits on, on the opposite side of the political aisle from you, a Republican or Democrat, who, who began to show you what kindness and respect and loving conversation and debate can look like. I don't know if you find this to be true, but I know I do, that sometimes it is only through the most unlikely of places and ways and people that God begins to teach us the lessons that we need to know the most. I I, I imagine this was true. It seemed to be true for the two men in our reading for today from from the book of Joshua, chapter 2. I can't imagine when those two spies woke up that morning that they could have ever imagined that they were going to get the lesson of a lifetime about their God in a place like Jericho from a woman like Rahab. You see, the two men in our reading for today, they were representatives of the Most High God. They had been handpicked by Joshua, their mighty leader himself, for this very, very important job. These two men were Jews. They had all the right lineage, all the right blood flowing through their veins. They were sons in God's family. And yet somehow, in the most important night of their life, they end up in the bedroom of the enemy. Like, like two backwoods country boys who find themselves on the Las Vegas Strip, these two spies find themselves in the home of a foreign pagan prostitute. These two men who, who had had Moses as their preacher and Joshua as their fearless leader, who, who had studied the Ten Commandments and worshipped on the Sabbath, but these two good Jewish boys now are about to get a lesson in faith from a woman who was paid to have sex with strangers. And, and, and there's a lot that we can learn from this woman named Rahab, a lot about faith that, that she has to teach for us. And, and maybe the, the first lesson, the most important lesson that, that Rahab exemplifies for us is that faith is very often nothing more than trusting in what God has said. Rahab shows us that faith is about believing in God's promises even when they seem impossible. Even when darkness surrounds us, Rahab reminds us that faith is taking God at his word. Now, now this story for today, the story we read with the spies going into the the land, uh, maybe it sounds familiar to you, uh, or maybe even sounds a little bit like deja vu. And, and, and there's good reason for that, and that's because some 40 years earlier, God had done something very similar. Maybe you remember this similar story. Uh, some 40-plus years before, God had sent 12 spies into the promised land. Uh, and you might remember how it goes. God sends in 12 spies, and he wants them to, to, to see just how good the good land is. He wants them to see that it really is, just like he told them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And he wants them to see it, these 12 spies, to see it and experience it, and then go back to the rest of Israel and report to them how wonderful their new home is going to be. And so the spies go into the promised land and they see, yes, indeed, it is just as good as God has said, even better. It is flowing with milk and honey. And they come back and they tell the people that. 
but they also tell the people that, that they'll never get there. It's impossible. The, the, the people there, the men, the, the soldiers, they are bigger, they are better, they are stronger, and there is no way, no way that, that, that they will ever enter to this good land. It is too good for them. It is impossible. And, and near the end of that story, it says that all of Israel doubted. None of them believed that, that God could actually wipe out the enemies like he said he would, that he would have them walk in on a red carpet and usher them into the land he had promised. All of Israel disbelieved and doubted. Now, now contrast that story, right, with our story for today, where we have this, this foreign pagan prostitute, Rahab, who takes the Lord at his word, who believes where all of Israel at one time had doubted. Rahab has very little to go off of, very little experience with the Lord, but she believes in what God has said. This is what she says in verse 9 of our reading for today. She says, I know that the Lord has given you this land. Why? Because she heard of it. In verse 11, she says, For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Has there ever been a more beautiful confession of faith, right? I know that the Lord will give you this land, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. That's faith. It's trusting in God's word and his promises even when it seems impossible. Uh, That's the first lesson she has for us. The second lesson uh, that Rahab teaches us is that it is faith that goes to God for mercy and grace. Uh, Faith trusts that our God is a good and gracious God. And and God's graciousness and his mercy for us is in no way dependent on us. Uh, Because think about Rahab, right? From a a worldly perspective, even a Jewish perspective, she had nothing to offer back to God, right? She could not brag or boast about the land she was born in. She was born in enemy territory. She couldn't brag or boast about the family that she had been born into. She didn't have Jewish blood flowing through her veins. She certainly couldn't brag about her occupation, how she spent her evenings. She had nothing to offer back to the God. And yet, she she has this faith which goes to God for grace and mercy. She she says it in verse 12 of our reading for today as she is pleading for her life with these two men who come to her. She says to these two men, she says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to me and my family. Rahab, she she clings to the mercy and grace of God of God, even when it seems like an impossibility. That's faith. The last thing that Rahab teaches us is that that faith is so much more than just knowing the right things. Many of us know all the right things, right? We know about God. We've read the Bible stories. We've memorized the verses. We understand the teachings, and that is good, but Rahab teaches us that faith is so much more than that. That's what we just said. It's trusting in God's word. It's It's clinging to his grace and mercy. But then we also see in the life of of Rahab that that faith also responds. It it acts out. Uh, Faith serves. Faith sacrifices. Faith takes bold action. And and that's what Rahab did, didn't she? Uh, She trusted in the word of the Lord. She she clung to him in mercy. And then she puts herself out there. She she makes uh, or she takes a a big risk. She she works for the enemy. She commits an act of treason. And she lets down these two men out of of her window so that they might escape, so that she might be saved. And it is through her bold faith lived out 
that God works miracles. He, he rescues Israel. He, he saves her and her family. Faith is more than just knowledge. It's bold action for the Lord. All right, now, if, if that's all that Rahab would teach us, I think we could leave here today saying, uh, we have a lot to chew on today, right? That would be more than enough uh, to, to spend our week uh, pondering, right? We, we could spend probably more than a week, a lifetime pondering, what are God's words and promises that I need to trust? What is it that I am a, having a hard time believing that I just need to humble myself and say, Lord, I'm going to trust what you say? Or, or what is it in our life uh, that, that might cause us to doubt God's mercy and grace, right? Do we look in the mirror and see a nobody, an unworthy nobody that could never earn God's grace? And, and, and we could ponder Rahab and, and see how she just clings to God's mercy and grace. We, we could think about all of the ways that God could use us in big and bold ways. We could, we could uh, wonder about the opportunities that God has laid before us to serve and, and sacrifice and, and take a step out in faith to. Uh, if, if that's all that there was today, uh, that would be enough. But, but there is one more thing that Rahab teaches us. It's an important lesson about the kind of God we have. And, and the lesson is found within that genealogy we read in our gospel reading for today. If you can remember that list of names we read from Matthew chapter 1, right? And uh, I, I know this is the kind of section, uh, our gospel reading, that we like to flip through, right? When we're reading through the Bible, we just turn the page past these lists of names so we can get to the good stuff, uh, the meaningful passages. But there, there's a lot that these genealogies can teach us um, you see, in, in the ancient world, genealogies were very important. And, and what they did is, is that they tied the people of the present to the heroes of the past. Uh, they gave the people of the present some, some credibility, right? They, they showed how, how good of genes they had, what good stock they came from. And it was a way to validate the people. And, and so you would list a genealogy full of the heroes of, of the past. And, and Jesus' genealogy that we read is, is kind of like that. Um, there are all the people we would expect to see, right? Uh, we read about David and Abraham, Jacob and Isaac and Judah, all of those people we would expect to see. But, but then hidden in there was one of those most unexpected of names. Right there in the genealogy of Jesus was Rahab. We read that the great, 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 I don't know how many greats, grandmother of our God was that foreign pagan prostitute. That tells us a lot about the kind of God we have, brothers and sisters, that our God is the kind of God who's not afraid to become unclean because of the uncleanliness of his people. We have a God who welcomes in all people by faith in him. God brings in the kinds of people that we would rather keep out at arm's length, right? God lifts up the, the, the people that we would rather push down. He gives a voice to the people that we would rather stay quiet. And so I wonder, as we uh, close our time today, I wonder for you, uh, who is that person that God might be trying to teach you through? Who is that unexpected person that God might be trying to teach you the most important lesson of your life? Who, who is that person that when they call you on the phone, you immediately click the red button and you say decline, right? because uh, you have more important things to do? Or, or who's that person at work or maybe even at church that when you see them coming, you turn and head the other way? 
Or, or, or when you do give them a few minutes, you're looking at your watch, wondering how much longer you're going to have to put up with anything that they're saying, right? Who is that most unexpected of person that God has placed in your life that maybe he has something to show you through? Because I don't know about you, but I found it to be true that very often God works in the most unexpected of places, in the most unexpected of ways, through the most unexpected of people in order to teach us the lessons we need to learn the most. In Jesus' name, amen.